there's a whole movement of unchurched Christians, right? But that's an oxymoron. That is that is that's a problem. And you show your hate for Christ by hating his body, the church. Church has to be a safe place where people can be honest and transparent. You're listening to the Holy Joys Podcast, co-hosted by Jonathan Arnold and Dr. David Fry. Visit us at holyjoys.org and stay tuned for weekly discussions of theology and ministry practice, all for a holy, happy church. All right, well, we're back together to discuss a current event uh, that's been trending now for some time. One of our previous discussions on the pastor's theologian, we talked about how a pastor theologian stands between scripture and culture, and a try, we try to bring God's truth to bear on what the church is facing in its daily life. And uh, with social media, uh, which is just with media in general, the accessibility um, of it, people are, are faced with uh, a lot of cultural uh, you know, events that perhaps in the past uh, was not so so readily accessible. And so it's just, I think, really important for us to be offering, offering theologically informed uh, responses to some of the things that people are inevitably going to come across um, when they get on Facebook. Because otherwise, um, if they don't see good theologically informed uh, thinking modeled for them, they're going to end up responding and thinking through these things in, in less than Christian ways. So why don't you just talk about this whole controversy surrounding Little Nas X, how this came to your attention, uh, and why you think it's important for us to talk about it? Sure. And I want to give a caveat at the outset here to uh, just let people know that in no way do we uh, recommend that people even go and watch this YouTube video that was released on March uh, 26th. Uh, The only reason I did and I wouldn't have otherwise uh, is because I had a young uh, man ask me about it and wanted to know what I thought. And since it was apparent that I have, you know, young people within my ministry who are familiar and, and follow uh, pop culture and uh, Little Nas, that uh, I probably ought to be aware of what's happening and offer some some guidance. And so, uh, only under that uh, guise uh, did I uh, watch this. And I can tell you right now, it was one of the most horrendous things I've I would probably the most horrendous thing I've ever seen. Uh, it was that shocking, uh, that bleak, and uh, but it is after after I started doing some reading, it is perhaps the most significant piece of cultural art uh, since uh, oh, I've I've seen some people refer back to uh, a music video uh, by uh, the the uh, heavy metal uh, band Kiss. Um, I think there was another uh, probably sexually charged video, I think, by Madonna, probably back in the 90s. I don't know. I've never seen those. But people were referring back to those and saying, you know, this is this is the most significant piece of, of cultural art since those those music uh, videos were released. So the, the backstory is this. Uh, 21-year-old Montero Lamar Hill uh, popularly known as Little Nas X and well-known for his 2019 hit Old Town Road. Uh, 19 months in a row, I believe it was number one 
uh, in, on the charts. Uh, but he has released a, another music video again on March 26th uh, that is um, a new song, a new, new, uh, really takes, um, takes it to another level. But it's called Montero, Call Me By Your Name. And it's a it's a video made with um, CGI, so computer generated imagery that depicts uh, a, a movement through the video, beginning with Little Nas uh, in uh, the Garden of Eden. Uh, you would recognize it as the Garden of Eden it has some writing on the tree. There's a, the the serpent is there, uh, tempting him. Um, he he follows the serpent. It moves then to some sort of coliseum uh, scene, and then finally uh, he descends into hell via a stripper's pole. And uh, the whole thing is is very foul mouthed, very uh, sensual, sexually charged. That uh, the the language is and uh, the uh, the depictions. It's it's all CGI, and there there is. Um, uh, it's there's nothing that is apparently human in the uh, in the video, so it's it's it is it's pornographic in theme, not uh, so much in as far as you know portraying uh, you know humans. Um, and in fact, Lil Nas himself is a sort of un uh, ungendered sort of being. He's like an uh, and a nondescript sort of human being. And so, so simultaneous to this video, he also, Lil Nas, released a line of shoes, 666 pairs of Nike shoes that had been customized by a third-party company, uh, laced with, um, or on the laces, are, um, a, a pentagram is attached to laces with Luke 10, 18, the scripture that Jesus says that he, he witnessed uh, the, the fall of Satan uh, from heaven. Um, it is said that there is a drop, a single drop of human blood in every one of the souls of these 666. Media accounts say that uh, the company sold all the pairs almost immediately uh, within hours. They were sold out. Um, since then, over 75 million people have watched this video, um, including a lot of children, because he appeals to to children. He he holds special events uh, for children, so that makes it even more grotesque. Uh, Nike, I uh, just uh, actually they, they filed suit and they won uh, their suit against the company. Um, and the company is no longer allowed to sell those shoes. Um, those uh, the shoes that have been modified uh, against Nike's. You know, wishes. Uh, so they did win that case. But in any case, the the video is uh, quite despicable, and it ends with an interaction, a sexual interaction between Little Nas and Satan. Uh, Little Nas then uh, murders Satan and takes his horns and places it on himself, and and that's the the end. Uh, the, the The reason this is significant is because uh, it does use CGI. And so there's, there, there's a lot of depths to the, the video, a lot of references to scripture, to classic Greek philosophy, to other uh, cultural, culturally important um, symbols 
and and sayings throughout the video that are uh, very subtle, but the people who the critics have have really praised it for being so in depth, uh, so thoroughly uh, researched and and well put together and that sort of thing. So from a uh, art standpoint, it's I thought it was despicable, uh, but it touches on and draws from a lot of a lot of sources. The other thing is just little nods himself. He's young. He's black. He's gay. He is a cross between country and rap. So it's like, who who is this guy or who isn't he? And so there's a lot of intersectionality happening here that draws a lot of attention. Um, he he has been uh, well. The, initially, the responses a lot of lot of responses from from Christians, from conservatives, a lot of backlash, which he he, he took. Uh, in stride and responded to and one tweet in particular really caught my mind uh, my eye because i think it it began my theological reflection uh, he tweeted early on i'm not sure what the date is on this tweet but he said i spent my entire teenage years hating myself because of this and then he uses a word uh, this stuff that you all preached would happen to me because i was gay so i hope you are mad Stay mad, feel the same anger you teach us to have toward ourselves. And there's a lot of that's there's a lot of biographical depth there that I, I want to talk about here in just a second. But um, so so his tweet um, has been taken as a uh, slight on the church. Uh, I don't know his background, but apparently he's had he has some um, exposure at least as a child uh, and young young person with with church. And people have taken his reference as, you know, you all preached uh, whatever it was he heard as a reference to what he actually uh, uh, experienced as a young person. Um, and the video begins with, with, with this. This is how he begins. He says in uh, the lyrics, in life, we had the parts we don't want the world to see. We lock them away. We tell them no. We banish them. But here we don't. And by here, he means the descent from Eden to hell. Mm. And the portrayal is that hell is a place where you can be yourself, free of people preaching at you. So how, how, how should Christians think about this? Well, first of all, I want to tell parents um, you know, that the previous song, you know, Old Town Road, uh, which was we did not allow our, our kids to – um, you know, to play that song because uh, it did have uh, some some references in it. But I bet there's a radio version, or there are different versions of it. And a lot of kids were really taken in with that song, and so they they have the kind of a, an affinity for this guy uh, because of that song. So first of all, I'd tell pastors, parents, got to know what your kids are listening to. Look at their playlist. Uh, you got to know who these people are, and uh, offer some guidance and uh, let them know that yeah this is and they they know that this is not okay, but uh, reflect with them rather than just say you know why do you have that I'm so disappointed don't say that say hey let's reflect on this let's talk about this what what's appealing about this music what what do you find uh, appealing to this guy what do you what do you think about his life what do you think about his art what do you think about his music um, and have conversations about it. I think that's important, which is why you know, when a young person came to me 
was was my response and and I think we need to be very patient but also thoughtful and truthful about uh, the way we react to these things so I have a, and I I don't assume that you have watched the video Jonathan no uh, but I haven't okay but I have really three points here just sure. to cover uh, in in reflection and and one is this it has to do with the church and I think that's the first thing that struck me as when I finished the video and I thought, wow, there's so much hate and anger and in your face, uh, uh, just, uh, filth. And I thought, you know what, here's a, here's a young man who clearly hates the church. He hates something about his background and what he heard. And I, again, I don't know what his experience was, but whatever it was, he hates it. Um, and so this thought came to mind, you know what, you cannot love Christ without loving the church. On the other hand, one shows their hate for Christ in their hate for the church. And there have been Christian artists, I think of, I, I don't remember his name, but the lead singer for Cademan's Call back in the day. That was probably when I was a teenager. But, um, but I remember him saying, um, I like Christ, but I don't like his church. Mm. And he became one of the, and there's a whole movement of yeah. unchurched Christians, right? right, right. Well, that's an oxymoron. That is, that is, that's a problem. And you show your hate for Christ by hating his body, the church. Mm -hmm. That's my first point. Yeah. Can I just interject there maybe? Um, so I was just thinking, I, since we don't know his background, I do think, uh, unfortunately, and you shared something uh, along these lines earlier this week, uh, I do think, unfortunately, sometimes people's experience of the church um, is is so um, distorted. Uh, perhaps, perhaps the people they've encountered who are naming themselves as identifying as Christians or identifying as a church, maybe aren't even a true church, uh, you know, by God's standards. And in that case, it's, it's just so tragic. And sometimes we have to untangle, I think too, sometimes it's, it's, it's complex because, um, people aren't really reacting against a faithful representation of Christianity. Now that's not to say that faithful Christianity is not, um, sometimes offensive or divisive or, you know, Jesus said, I came to bring a sword, you know, certainly. Uh, and so I think there are people who genuinely have hatred of the real church and the real Christ. It's just so unfortunate though, that, that sometimes people have not really had an opportunity to meet the real Jesus and have a chance to really, um, you know, encounter him through his, through his, his real body. And so that's, that's a tragedy too. It is. And, and we ought to also recognize that the church is not without any faults, right? That we, the church has not yet uh, been finally purified. Uh, it is, we do believe in, in, in purity, but as Augustine said, um, uh, and, and many of the earlier church fathers who, who said, you know, you can't be, uh, there is no salvation outside of the church, but everyone who's in the church is not necessarily a true believer. Right. And, uh, and so there is, I mean, the church as Larry Smith, you know, my church history teacher back at God's Bible school would always say, um, the church is a mixed bag and it is, and it will be until Christ, you know, restores it, um, finally. But, uh, but that is, but nonetheless, our relation to the church, uh, says much about our relation to, 
to Christ and those two things cannot be divorced. So in this case, it was the, just the, the abject hatred toward, toward Mm -hmm. the church. Uh, The second thing is uh, that, uh, and I struggle with this one, but there are some cultural issues that we need to address straight on head on, just really just, just hit it. Mm-hmm. But then there are others that need a different approach, uh, not necessarily ignoring, although I think there's a lot of things that we just need to ignore. Uh, but sometimes there needs to be an internal discussion that re- reflects upon a cultural event. But then sometimes there needs to be perhaps first an external. Uh, that means Christians engaged with non-Christians on a matter. Uh, but certainly I think there, that needs to start in-house as well, that Christians need to be in discussion with one another on you know, these sorts of things. And these, these things are, are you know, regularly happening, cultural events happening, and we need to be in discussion with, about that. And, and yeah, at the same time, not uh, express a knee-jerk reaction on Twitter or Instagram or social media. Um, and, uh, before we've really engaged in conversation about what exactly does this mean? What does this tell us about ourselves as a culture? So that was my second thought. And then third, um, it raises again that, uh, the church, uh, is in a, a very sensitive time of history in which we, cannot ignore but must appropriately address issues of sexual orientation and gender identity within the church mm-hmm. that we must again uh, be sure that we clearly distinguish between accepting a person as a person and uh, rather than or as distinguished from affirming a person according to their choice of you know identity uh, or their sexual orientation. Uh, those are two different things, accepting versus affirming. And we need to be very clear about that. And then also uh, understand then how we as ministers, as Christians, can uh, minister and provide support in a spiritual way to those who are confused or face some uh, dysphoria regarding their sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, these are real matters that uh, I have faced many times as a pastor, and undoubtedly many of our listeners have as well, either as a pastor or just as a friend sometimes. And so this is an ongoing conversation. I don't have easy answers. Maybe sometime we'll do a podcast and have someone on uh, who uh, you know can can help us process through that. But I just want to say uh, to parents and pastors and ministers, um, continue to process, do some reading, good reading uh, from any number of good evangelical authors and uh, and understand the different perspectives that there are disagreements even among evangelicals as to exactly how to approach uh, some of these issues. So um, a, a very complicated uh, set of issues that that this brings up, but it's it has certainly gained a lot of uh, of attention in the recent weeks. Yeah, I you know one of the things that stood out to me is is little Nas's whole message seems to be about just living out 
you know, who you are. And by that, he means what you feel. Um, even in old town road, you know, the, the, the refrain is can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Um, you know, and then again, in this, um, you know, in this, this music video, a lot of emphasis on just uh, being who you are, which again means whatever you feel. And, um, one of the things that we, we certainly as a church, we, we prophetically rebuke, um, the living out of an identity, which goes against nature, against God and nature. Uh, we certainly, you know, there's a place for that prophetic rebu- rebuke for something that is so reprehensible. Um, but we also have to realize that that um, there are people who maybe are struggling with certain feelings and they don't know what to do with them. Um, and the church has to be a safe place where people can be honest and transparent about what they're feeling and struggling with so that they um, can be met with a compassionate and biblical path to, wor- to, to working through those feelings and finding ways to express, um, you know, what is, what is appropriate um, and, and to find, them, find their identity grounded in Christ. And so what, what I think happens is if, if the church is not that kind of a safe place and we, we rely on simplistic um, answers to work through some of these complicated problems, then people suffer silently. They suffer alone. They suppress any, any of these feelings. They never get help uh, for maybe their brokenness and they don't find healing. And then they, they sometimes maybe they just walk away and we wonder what happened or they come out and, you know, we think, oh, well, this is just them deciding to reject Christ. But perhaps if we had provided a place for them to work through this and, and have a safe place to work through the, the struggles that they were facing, we could have helped um, meet them with, with the good news of the gospel and help them to work through this in, in community, in Christian community, because we need that support. And, um, and that's what, you know, we hear all, all the time about the LGBT community and we just can't forget the power of that community, um, the power of saying to someone who's experiencing these feelings or this confusion, um, you know, here's a place where you can, you know, be part of something. Just the fact of that community is unbelievably powerful. And the church has to be the kind of community where people can find a, a, a Christ honoring response to, to these very complicated issues. Right, right. And I, and I, have, I have one more thought. Sure. As well, in, in response to this sort of thing, and that is, and this is a message to Christians, to to ourselves, that we we should not be surprised at the level of depravity that takes place in popular art and culture. Uh, you know, these sorts of things have happened for years. It's just now we have the media where these things can be disseminated very quickly and very broadly. And, you know, over a matter of days, 75 million people can see it. Right. Mm. Um, and it gains a lot of current, it gains currency very, very quickly. But as Christians, um, you know, so a, we should not be surprised at the depths of sin and then the, uh, the gross forms that it takes. Uh, and secondly, we should be calculated in our response especially when we are are when it's closer to home and we're dealing with a family member or someone in our church or someone in our, our community that has done something that really astonishes us by the depravity of it. But we have to be very careful in our responses that our uh, even our expressions in our face uh, communicate 
the sort of of rejection and disapproval that the people that people are are fearful of um and it doesn't mean that we have that we that we approve it doesn't mean that we are okay but as christians we want to offer a a place where people can can speak can come and be heard and that they know they're going to in response receive first of all grace but they're also going to receive truth and those two always have to be wedded grace and truth grace and truth not one without the other not truth without grace and certainly not grace without truth right uh, but our our responses sometimes we don't even recognize see ourselves our responses either through our words or through our expressions uh, can be very ungracious while the words from our mouth are true and um, you know the tones in which we say things the manner in which we say them really does matter and so uh, you know don't be surprised at the depths of depravity uh, but let's try to face the face the depravity of our world with a with the confidence of grace and the confidence of truth, uh, because that's what the church. That's why the church is here. Uh, we are here to uh, not shy away from the darkness, but to pierce the darkness with the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Holy Joys podcast. Email your questions to podcast at holyjoys.org, and they may be featured on a future episode. Our labors for a holy, happy church are supported by generous listeners like you. Please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate.